0: This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station.
1: What they would be better doing is making sure they've got the ownership and the
2: agent. So the own the agent, the agent works.
0: Good
1: afternoon. You are listening to Live and Learn. I'm Lee Trellin, and what you just heard there is Sam Allardyce, at the time England manager, advising foreign businessmen or who he thought were foreign businessmen on how to get around strict rules on player transfers. Those businessmen, of course, turned out to be undercover reporters for the Daily Telegraph and Big Sam has since parted ways with the FA, giving up his dream job. So what really happened here? How did it all go wrong? And how does this link up to this notion of integrity in the sports that we love so much? Taking me through this today are lawyers Richard Wee and Leslie Lim. Welcome to the show.
0: Hey, Lynn. Hi, Hi Lynn, back Good back afternoon,
1: now. everybody. So, firstly, how did you react to the news about Sam Allardyce and what he had been recorded saying and doing?
0: Um, well, Lynn, um once again, uh, the England's uh, England's job is a uh, very dangerous job, uh, very difficult to be an <laughs> England manager. Um, well, when I first uh, read that news, uh, the night before, and I, I I immediately knew that Sam was in trouble, and he would probably get sacked or uh, he he would have to resign so that was my immediate reaction, uh, simply because uh, was we'll not not the fact that he went to uh, overseas to speak. I, I think he was in Singapore uh, when he was recorded. No, it's not that. Or, or, or not because he was recorded by, by Daily Telegraph. But it was the content of his conversation. It was what he said and he, what he was trying to uh, share with those so-called investors. And um, and basically, uh, as you mentioned the word earlier, uh, Lynn about the word integrity, that is what we are dealing with today. Uh, it's this fairly new issue uh, which has evolved in sports law over the last five ten years uh, pertaining to integrity. And later on, I'll talk maybe a little bit more about it. And basically, if we can really pinpoint to one particular incident, it was the infamous Salt Lake Olympic uh, Uh, city issue about the selection of Salt Lake uh, and the allegation, well, it's no more allegation is proven uh, of the corrupt practices in choosing Salt Lake City. So Sam is basically part of this, uh, what he said was caught and he was basically forced to resign because of this ongoing belief and effort in the sports industry to rid sports of corruption.
1: We will get to that, but um, before that, what I was curious about also was the ethics of how this came about, you know, because for some people, there might be this notion that, well, I mean, you recorded a man who didn't know he was being recorded, and um, it's, you know... It's a journalistic practice. But for those unfamiliar with the concept, what is a sting and is it legal? Can you use its contents to, you know, to kind of bring action if necessary?
0: Yeah, of course you can. Um, usually from uh, my, my loose understanding of the British version of the sting and uh, the issue of entrapment, uh, the other word that Sam used. Basically, the sting is where, uh, it seems where the British police or the police uh, the authorities they're already aware that a certain person is probably guilty or involved in an activity, illegal. Uh, they'll go after him or her. And entrapment is where they set up a situation, you know, trapping you to see what you say. You may say something which they want to capture you, record you on the video, yada, yada, yada blah, blah, blah. So in, in this incident, uh, Sam was, in his view, was entrapped.
1: Yes, uh, this is what he said at the time. On reflection, it was a silly thing to do, but... Um just to let everybody know, I sort of helped out what was a somebody I'd known for 30 years and unfortunately it was an error in judgment on my behalf and uh, I paid the consequences. But, um, you know, entrapment has won on this occasion and uh, I have to accept that. So is that a fair thing to say, that entrapment has won on this occasion? Uh, well,
0: for him, of course you feel aggrieved. You know, he was about to... Start on his dream job I think for any English manager uh, Being an English man One day we'll get An English lady Being a manager you never know um, Leading the English Men's soccer team Football team Is really the dream job You know And he, he got it After struggling For so many years um, um, uh, To be appointed as that Is the pinnacle of the job And of course To lose it that way Of course he will say What he said uh, but what is he, what I think we should look at um, is actually the contents of what he said, as I said earlier. Um, because he suggested many things to, the, to those so-called investors, which basically breaks football rules. And, and that's something we may have to discuss as we go along today.
1: One thing that uh, I was curious about is also this issue what we heard right at the start was him talking about how to get around third-party ownership. Um, ah, yes, indeed, And yes. I... Okay, so I have a rough idea what that means, but for people who, you know, haven't heard the phrase or weren't around when it first started to really explode in football, in the football world, um, what is third-party ownership? Why is it such a big deal?
0: Uh, basically, a third-party ownership, um, it's very common in, in Portugal uh, and to some extent Spain. And in South American uh, football uh, But for Malaysian fans I suppose the first time they heard of it uh, Was West Ham's uh, Purchase acquisition of uh, The two Argentinian players uh, I think they were
1: I only remember uh, Carlos, Tevez and Carlos Tevez I'm not sure who the and,
0: other one was Oh my god, I can't remember his name He's playing in Barcelona now Anyway, the two players um, What happens in a third party uh, ownership is this So p- player X um, He's playing very well, he has a contract and the agent buys that contract so the agent owns the playing rights of the contract uh, and, and basically this agent can sell the playing rights to anyone but this player is playing for a club so let's say the club is uh, Brazil FC or Rio FC and uh, this agent will, will, will meet a, a club in Perhaps in, in England or in France or in Scotland, and say, look, you know, I have a player X. is really good, and uh, I own his his playing rights. But yes, he's playing for Rio FC in Brazil FC. Uh, but uh, uh, I, I I want to sell him to you. So in in countries like Portugal, it's actually possible that a club will will buy the player on transfer. Uh, the player will move from Rio FC to that club in Portugal. But the player's playing rights in uh, to some extent the image rights yada yada still belongs to the agent mm-hmm. <laughs> so the third party owns the players playing rights that is absolutely uh, no go in England yeah. it's not allowed in England at all in fact I think uh, the entire British island FIFA, all the FIFA, FIFA it, uh, right. even FIFA now is banned you know so uh, y- you can see um, the entire third party industry for football ownership has collapsed uh, by one time it was quite Prevalent. So that's how it works. Part. In fact, I must say, Lin, it's still around, but it's camouflaged in a other ways now. You know, like.
1: Well, that's what I picked up on with uh, Sam Allardyce's kind of casualness in talking about it in the video. He's kind of like, yeah, you know, there are ways to get around it. In some ways, watching that video and this whole scandal, is it emblematic in a few ways of how There's probably a lot of dirt within sport that perhaps the layperson doesn't really know about.
0: Well, um, for football, um, when we are here... And the league is very, very far away. So we only watch it on Saturday night go crazy over the match and and then go home happy or sad after the team win or lose. But behind the scenes, and what Leslie and I have read over the years, we have met many, many sports uh, leaders from England. The allegation is that there's a fair bit of dirt in football. Uh, particularly for transfers and player status. Uh, so what Sam was saying at the Daily Telegraph's um, entrapment, so per se, is that he's saying, look, even if the player acts, the that, that, that example like Gaff who's playing in Rio FC, if you want to bring him into England and play for a club in England, you can do it. And this is the way to go around it. That was what he was trying to say. And that's why he, his position with the English FA as a manager was untenable. Uh, it's, it's basically um, you have someone in the PDRM uh, telling the gangster, "Look, the law on money laundering is like this, but this is the way you can go around it." <laughs> and you're recorded saying that. So what kind of police officer are you? You're teaching the the bad guys to get around it. So that that was what Sam did, and and that, that was why he had to pay the price.
2: Yeah, and and this is actually not the first time that uh, Big Sam uh, is involved in a football corruption uh, investigation. Back in uh, 2006, uh, the BBC uh, released a... uh television program called Panorama uh, where they did a, a special investigation into into the 2006 uh, football scandal. Uh, it was called Undercover Football's Dirty Secrets. And, and there was footage of meetings between uh, players, agents, managers, uh, officials. And uh, there was actually even footage of... Um, um, a freelance coach posing uh, as a prospective football agent uh, and uh, what, was, uh, what, what it showed was what it showed was allegations uh, arose against Big Sam uh, that he uh, was taking bungs uh, which is I think is a British slang for bribes uh, for uh, signing on certain players, and these bungs were coming from uh, agents. Uh, and this was allegedly uh, happening through his son, uh, Craig, uh, who was an agent himself. And, and so, as we can see, this is uh, perhaps not the first time Big Sam has been in hot water
1: he threatened to sue and I don't think he ended up doing it No, he <laughs> yeah. didn't uh, He wanted to sue the BBC but uh, apparently he was
2: advised that it would take up uh, too much time and too much money so. Instead he just decided to ban them <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. to be fair he wasn't charged uh, for that allegation in the end so, yeah. But I think right for this current 2016 scandal 10 years down the road I think uh, it's going to be tough for him to get around it
1: and all this kind of leads up to a larger issue about sports integrity, which we will address after this. Um, you are listening today to Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Good afternoon. You are listening to Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture. I'm Lee Chui Lin, and my guests today are lawyers Richard Wee and Leslie Lim. Uh we spent the first half of our interview talking about the big news surrounding Big Sam. Of course, uh he has given up his job. Some people say sacked, but mostly it's, you know, mutual agreement with the FA to part ways. And that has happened because he was caught basically advising people on how to, well, exploit loopholes in the FA's system. Now this feeds into a larger issue of sports integrity and while I understand those two words separately I'm curious from a legal perspective what does that mean sports integrity
0: uh, well it's an effort by the sports industry uh, Lin um, as I said earlier uh, if I can one pinpoint to an incident it's probably the Salt Lake City uh, Winter Olympic Games a serious allegation that there's, the, there's corruption uh, money being exchanged to ensure that city was uh, selected as a host um, Eventually, the Olympic movement um, started this process to uh, integrate integrity into the selection process, and every layer of the job there's an integrity process. Uh, FIFA had it. Uh, Sepp Blatter, as you know, was sacked. Um, but wasn't sacked was well, not, yeah, was, not quite, not, not really quite <laughs> sacked, but yeah, he's basically not there anymore. Uh, even our uh, Michelle Michel Platini, who we, everyone thought was clean, turned out to be not so. Clean after all, so FIFA and UEFA and even AFC, the Asian Football Confederation, have uh, put in a serious effort to uh, inject integrity in sports. Now, what is integrity? For example, uh, if let's say um, uh, Mr X is going to run for an election uh, as a AFC president, the AFC's uh, integrity committee uh, will actually check and peruse this person's background the people in the uh, the committee are, are fairly respectable people uh, there, is a, there is a secretary officer involved uh, they are trained to check on this uh, blah 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 so they, that's one layer and another example I can give you is like tennis the World Tennis Federation uh, they have a particular unit I think it's called the T Tennis sorry. Integrity Unit uh, ten, the Tennis Integrity Unit T-I-U it's
1: a very simple name yeah. yes. so yeah.
0: this unit is like a policeman uh, they will uh, keep an eye on the, the uh, for example the batting scene so if uh, a player who's number twenty. 250 in the world playing in a small satellite tournament in, in a town of off, uh, off, uh, off New York for example uh, then they will see hey, why is there betting on this player to lose this match lots of betting so TIU the tennis integrity Unit, will go in and check and if they see that there's something suspicious they will actually pull the player aside uh, and, and may even uh, suspend the player even with, with sufficient evidence and if it's worse they will launch a police report uh, so that's that's what been happening the last ten twenty years, uh, and in the English FA, the English FA have been trying to uh, uh, to add this in into the the way they they practice the football transfers, the agents' uh, conduct, managers' conduct. Uh, you know, even uh, about four years ago, they started the financial doping, where they don't want clubs like uh, Man City and Chelsea to buy their way through the league example. So the integrated uh, FA uh, added in uh, the element of football doping which is actually part of the integrity process. Uh, so that is basically in the eyes of sports law, uh, what is f- uh, sports integrity? Uh, there are many more layers. In fact 15 minutes won't be enough to cover this but for today's discussion uh, and for our understanding for the listeners understanding is basically that an attempt to ensure that they stop a person uh, who may be caught up getting involved in sports uh, that's, that's one
1: right so it's trying to prevent anything from ha- even happening because you get the right people in place Correct.
0: two like the T.I.U is to deter to deter you from getting involved in bribery uh, and, right. and the same thing for AFC football uh, even our local FAM have that um, the third thing is to uh, to investigate they go in investigate they, they detain you they suspend you they sack you blah 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 yeah. so uh, I'd just
2: like to throw in one more angle. It's actually, um, integrity units actually manage, uh, insider information. Um, because how it works is that, uh, gambling, I'll take gambling, uh, as an example. Uh, gambling works on margins or likelihood of outcomes and any information, uh, gives, uh, uh, the the players, uh, as in the, gam- the gambling players, uh, a competitive advantage over the rest, uh, and that information is so valuable uh, to them. So that's another angle for an integrity unit in, in terms of managing uh, insider information.
1: Off the top of my head, um, one thing I'm noticing from the examples that you've cited seems to be that they're quite punitive in nature. You know, you're, you're sort of saying, well, you're corrupt, so I don't want you part of my organisation or you're corrupt, you seem to be corrupt, so I'm kicking you out of uh, the sport. But one But corruption happens, um, you know, because of money, by and large. There's prestige, but there's also money. Um, Is there enough money being fairly distributed within sports to prevent issues of corruption from happening? Because, of course, if you compare what the world number one makes to what the world, even I think number 50 or number 98 makes in, for example, tennis... um, and that's not even comparing the men's to the women's game you know there seems to be a huge inequality there but that's kind of the nature of sports as well
0: yeah, uh, yeah uh, spot on very good question um, Lena taking tennis as an example, the the World Tennis Federation, um, they do uh, invest heavily in satellite tournaments. Uh, There's a massive effort to bring in relevant sponsors, uh, blah, 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 into that tournament, uh, to pump in money and also to pump in uh, media uh, awareness so that uh, this fairly unknown number, 250 player, may be seen on ESPN or some famous uh, sports uh, network, so they do that, but uh, at the same time, they actually do meet the players. Uh, what we understand, we've read about it, uh, is that they do. The officers from TIU, uh, Tennis Integrity Unit, do meet the players, brief them, advise them, remind them. Say, look, you know, don't don't get involved. By the end of the day, it's still really the players' integrity, the inner inner soul and morality of the players. Uh, most of the players who are involved, uh, I would say, huge of them are good, honest players. Who just want to earn a living, have fun, you know, in their life they can go to back and say hey I was a professional tennis player once but there's always bad apples and those are the bad apples which, which they go for to see whether to answer a question whether they've, they've done enough I think yes uh, organisations like, like specifically about tennis yes they do um, but you know you can never ever clear corruption 100% um, at least efforts are being done
1: so if we compare football to other sports then, um, how are the governing bodies of football doing in terms of sports integrity or in terms of trying to instil this compared to, say, you know, the TIU or just other sports?
0: Well, I'm going to say this before I pass it to um, uh, Leslie Leslie is going to share with you about rugby. Very, very well But for football I I share with you An example of AFC and UEFA Both AFC and UEFA um, They have an extensive uh, Team and network To keep an eye on uh, Football corruption uh, Particularly uh, Match fixing uh, they have officers uh, keeping an eye on the again betting, gambling behavior of players, suspicious uh, free kick given, suspicious penalty, uh, uh, refereeing decisions, some really funny refereeing decisions. They 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 do, and this uh, there have been cases uh, where some of these referees uh, after the tournament is sacked. But I think f- uh, the AFC and UEFA to to not blow the news out of proportion usually don't. Don't make it into a big uh, matter. But that 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 referee is over. The career is over, for example. Now, that's just match-fixing. But Sam Ballardyce's issue is slightly different. The, Sam Ballardyce is about the internal operation uh, of a, for example, football team. So, if, if, if a manager is buying a player in England, uh, he's saying that the, the, the manager can go around a third-party ruling. Uh, and not only that, in that Daily Telegraph uh, expose, uh, there's an allegation there's about 10 other managers who's involved and that other allegations is worse because those allegations are about managers, assistant managers and coaches who take money from agents to ensure football transfers take place. That is what the English FA is also trying to stop. So football integrity is huge. Is about match fixing, gambling, uh, uh, your conduct, uh, how you deal with players, how you deal with agents, uh, financial doping. It's a fairly big uh, area in in sports law.
2: But rugby is doing good? Yeah, so I'll just give an example of what um, uh, the rugby uh, community did for uh, the Rugby World Cup in 2015 last year so um, the World Cup was in 2015 uh, but this process of setting up an integrity unit started uh, back in 2011 and you need to bear in mind that back in 2011 uh, online gambling was a market that hadn't uh, fully developed uh, at that time but but the rugby community was so f- uh, forward thinking that they were already preparing uh, for a world where gambling uh, would be available very freely online Online to the public, and and they were worried of uh, the consequences of that uh, on the sport. So back in 2011, they, they started a consultation process. They consulted um, the stakeholders, they consulted the players, uh, they consulted uh, coaches and whatnot. And uh, what happened was, uh, leading up to the 2015 World Cup, they came up with a, a, a three-four system. So the system was such that uh, it's an integrity system, threefold. The first one was they uh, made sure that they had uh, the most up-to-date and appropriate regulations in place. Uh, Again, as I was mentioning about how online gambling was was still very new uh, back in 2011, but you can tell as, as we, uh, as coming up to 2015, online gambling had just developed so much by then, uh, and the rugby union made sure that they developed alongside uh, technology and they put the right regulations in place. <clears throat> um, the second thing was that um, the uh, rugby union co- uh, conducted education. Um, they knew that um, the players and the coaches, <clears throat> sorry, they knew that the players and coaches uh, actually don't. Realize uh, the the information that they have in their head, how valuable that is to people out there, how people can uh, manipulate that kind of information. As so what I was mentioning about insider information earlier, so the rugby union actually uh, made sure they educated uh, their players, the coaches, or the entourage, even match officials. And what was the most interesting was they made this education compulsory. Um, so and they made it online. So they made sure it was accessible to, to all of all the players and the coaches. Uh, and they made it compulsory to uh, in all the tournaments leading up to the World Cup and then the third part was uh, the operational part of it when they started rolling out their integrity units so basically officers uh, were going out there and meeting the players and the coaches so not only did the players and coaches actually uh, do the online learning they spent half an hour doing online learning they then have to meet the integrity officers for 15 minutes uh, and the officers just them oh you know you've learned this online do you have any questions do you understand what this is about let's talk about it uh, and it also helped the integrity officers to sort of build that rapport uh, between the officers and the players and and what that worked how that worked out well for the system was that the players became very comfortable with these officers and when they started saying things like, is there someone suspicious in the lobby or in the coffee house they were actually not hesitant to go up to the officers and say um, hey, you know the guy that looks a bit dodgy Maybe you want to have a look On something like that So it really worked out well For the system in general And I think the uh, success uh, point That uh, the rugby union took away from this Was that they actually kept The entire uh, Rugby World Cup 2015 uh, Corruption free Free of corruption So um, and Uh, that's the first uh, success point the second success point was that that rapport that was built between the officers and the athletes will continue to carry forward uh, and the image of the sport uh, will hopefully uh, be maintained
1: or be clean as clean as it can be I I hope On that point about education, um, I did want to raise something. And, and this is, I admit, built on a little bit on an assumption on my part. But Sam Allardyce is part of, in some ways, an old guard uh, within the Premier League. He is a long time manager. He has been um, a part of a system that has seen a lot of changes. So, in a way, is rooting out um, corruption or is building sports integrity part of bringing a new generation in? I mean, it's one thing to say, okay, now that you come in, this is just the standard of how we do things. Uh, versus trying to teach older people who, you know, don't see anything wrong with slipping a little money under the table, for example, with telling them, look, you can't do this anymore.
0: Well, basically, for a specific for English FA, uh, they have set the rule and they want everyone to follow doesn't matter whether you're young or old so I, I know what you're trying to say but I think even for the old guards they have to follow
1: Right uh, I think the point I'm just making is that cultural change can be slower in coming Indeed when you yeah. have a generational difference indeed, yeah. present within one association Correct Yeah um, Are the rules surrounding the relationships with agents and transfers clear enough to prevent these sorts of conflicts of interest from arising?
0: Well, there are rules um, uh, uh, to some extent um, not really specific uh, prescribed rules oh you know you can't do this you can't have you can have TV with the agent you can't become friends with the manager there's no such rules to that extent but there are general prescribed rules um, so one example is that uh, I think the managers are required to declare their interest if for example the agent is their son or their family members um, so these are in place um, and to some extent he has already cut down lots of uh, or should I said, Let me rephrase that. Yes, enhanced transparency uh, in 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 English football. So yes, there are some rules, but not not very uh, detailed. But is there?
2: I, I hate to say this, but I, I think um, the law will always have to play catch up because as more and more uh, money is being pumped into sports, uh, people will always try to find a way around the rule. It's the human uh, element, yes, isn't it? it is, yes, yeah.
1: Unfortunately, so yeah. That's that's my point of view yep,
0: absolutely uh, they spot on
1: in closing then um, this has been big news uh, the issue of Sam Allardyce no less because I mean it was less than 70 days that he held the job and you know, and this managed to happen somehow <laughs> well, it's 100% record isn't it? yeah. <laughs> it's all good for Garrison yeah. yes exactly yeah. um, so it's been huge news there have been a lot of think pieces written about it uh, we are doing this interview because of it Um do you think that it's going to serve as an example of sorts? I mean, is it in some ways a good thing that it happened? Will it serve as a way to say, look, this is how seriously we're taking integrity and where will sports integrity head in the
0: future? I look at it two ways, Lin. Uh, on the first layer, yep, I'm sure it will have an impact. I think every single football administrator I'm again specifically talking about England will be very, very careful Um But secondly, my fear is that this expose will put corruption deeper underground. That means it's still going to happen. uh, And as Leslie said, they're going to find ways to go around it and makes it even more deeper and deeper to to catch. Uh, But I suppose... No choice, you know. This is a battle which uh, we cannot uh, concern ourselves too much on the depth of the uh, evilness, but instead we must focus on the goodness of sports. Uh, as we all we've done this uh, series many times, and in every time, every time Leslie and I come and speak here, we always try to share with the listeners the the goodness in sport. Why sports is such a wonderful activity among uh, people. And, you know, if, if football is so corrupt, for example, like like, like football is being so corrupt, how are we going to ever believe in the game? Like what happened to the M-League in the 90s? After after the corruption uh, fiasco, everyone just stopped not stopped watching Russian football. So in my view, uh, I think Sam incident has some positive impact, uh, but in the long term, it may not be good. And I'll end by just quoting what Gareth Southgate said. I thought is really apt at what he said and and I share his feelings he he said in the interview two days ago that he's involved in a game which he loves you know Leslie and I for example we really love sports but it's an industry which is not very good and I think he's right I I can feel that too when I'm dealing with the industry that there is some problem Uh, but I take strength that people involved in the industry the administrators are fighting back and we must support these people and hopefully one day we can get rid of uh, more and more corruption
2: Yeah, I think more and more reforms Are are going to come about um, And I think these are good efforts um, By all the relevant stakeholders To continue to keep The clean image of sports
1: Thank you both very much for coming in. Thank you very much. Thanks. I've been speaking today with lawyers Richard Wee and Leslie Lim um, about the entrapment of Big Sam Allardyce as well as the larger issue of sports integrity. And you've been listening today to Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9,
2: The Business Station.